Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. 2022. It has arrived. Yes. 2022. How about that? How about that? Do you remember watching movies when you were a kid and it's like, in the future, 2022 or 2020 or whatever. And like We're like, you know, flying around on saucers and... Where did they go in Back to the Future? Didn't they go? T- what was it? Twenty twenty something? Twenty twenty or something? They didn't 20, go. They didn't go too far. Twenty twenty one. Twenty. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. It was. I mean, it wasn't far. It was like you know. I love the memes. Like when it must he comes have been. Back, he's like, I was at twenty twenty. Don't go there. <laughs> so uh, I had to have been before twenty twenty because otherwise they would have mentioned we would have known it was coming. I mean, twenty twenty two. How, how do you? I mean, knock on wood. I probably shouldn't even say this, but I wait, mean, is it the number two or is it T O L? I don't know. Twenty twenty. Well, it's number two, two. Also, but but how do you go? We can only go up from here. Not the market. I'm talking about like the number of years. Yes, society. Like the nah, not even society. Just what's been happening in the world. Like it'll it, surely it gets better from here, right? I mean, we've had some. We've had a couple of rough years. Holy cow. Aren't there three laws of thermodynamics, though, and one of them being that everything moves from order to disorder? Yes. 6 a.m., and already the boy ain't right. So you're saying we've just begun? Yeah. Oh, lovely. He's positive. Here we go, folks. Welcome to 2022. Welcome to 2022. Uh, I think it's going to be a great year. I think that 2022 is going to usher in, you know, the, the, the real end of the pandemic, I'm calling it now. You know, I'm not an immunologist. Immuna, immunio- I always say that wrong. Immunologist. So clearly you're not one. I'm definitely not one. But I think we're going to get past this, and I think we're going to reopen finally. And I think that people are going to get out and about and enjoy their lives and do things. Uh, that's going to be huge. I think the markets are going to be volatile, to say the least. All right. That's it. You got anything? You got any predictions? No. No. Take it as it comes. Take it as it comes. Okay. We got a good question today from Courtney. Courtney, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hi, Quentin Daniel. My name is Courtney, and just a little background story. I come from a commercial property management background and have always had the dream of owning my own rental properties one day. My husband and I live in Colorado Springs, and we bought our single-family home in 2018. Since then, our home's value has significantly increased and we are interested in dipping our toes into the rental property waters, but don't necessarily want to use the cash we have on hand for a down payment. Would you guys recommend that we use a HELOC or home equity loan to fund the down payment for our first rental property? If so, what are the pros and cons of each? Our mortgage is the only outstanding debt that we currently have. Any help is greatly appreciated. Okay, uh, this is a great question because I think a lot of people who are venturing into the world of business, I don't care where it is, and they require capital, are going to be exploring this option. 
it's certainly an area where most people, especially over the last several years, have equity that may be available to them through a home equity line of credit, HELOC, as it's traditionally called. And I would say, I, in full disclosure, when we bought our first building for our business, I was in the same boat, Courtney. I had equity in my home. I did. I had investments. So I had an investment portfolio. And there was a building that was available that I was very interested in buying. And in order to buy it at the price that I wanted it at, now I'm not saying this is exactly the way your situation is, but I had to make an offer and basically say it was a cash offer close in you know a couple of weeks. And the reason I had to do that is I didn't want the owner to have to consider my offer versus someone else that had to get financing, go through that process. Uh, I didn't want, um, you know, I wanted him to know I was serious with cash, you know, a variety of other things. Now, what was that cash? Well, I wasn't going to liquidate investments and use that cash. I was going to use a home equity line of credit. Now, all that to say, a couple of variables. Number one, I had the money. So the money was there in the event you know what hit the fan and I had to pay that debt off because I don't want a business decision to impact my home life at this stage of my life. When I was earlier in the game, every business decision I did impacted my home life like every day. But at this stage, I did not want that to be the case. So from a, a smart business perspective, I made a business decision to use the home equity line knowing I had the capital so that if I, again, ran into problems or whatever, I could pay it off. The other thing that I knew, and this is going to be very important, and you're going to understand this coming from your background, is that once I acquired the property, I knew that I would have enough built-in equity already, already to turn around and refinance it as a standalone loan. What do I mean by that? Uh, I'm just going to use round numbers. Let's say you buy a property and you're getting it for $100,000. Again, like where are you going to get $100,000 property? But just bear with me. $100,000. And so you ultimately find out that really this property, maybe once it's rented or you know improved or whatever it may be, is going to be worth $150,000, right? Now you have a, you bought it for $100,000, you got the cash in, you used your HELOC, but you know, with some you know elbow grease and maybe again some new tenants, it's really worth 150, maybe 140, whatever. Okay, so knowing that, you feel pretty confident that you could buy it, you could improve it, or whatever it may be, have very little more than the hundred in, let's say 110 or whatever, and turn around and go to a bank, and they would appraise it and look at what they're going to loan you, and it would be in a ratio that they're comfortable with doing. So they might say, okay, well, this is worth 150 and you wanted to do, in this instance, it's called a cash-out refi. You wanted to do 100, 110. They look at it and they go, yeah, that's well within our, our acceptable range. And so they do it and it becomes a standalone loan. So in my scenario, personal example, A, had the money. I don't think I would have done it if I didn't have the money. B, I knew that going in there, occupying it, being our own renter, that was a big deal too, uh, so we could basically set the rent and ultimately do some improvements 
I knew that it would be valued at such that I could go to a bank immediately and do a cash out refi, which we did. Um, and then ultimately, I knew that it was a very sound investment, or at least I thought it was. It ended up being that way, but a sound investment due to location, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm okay with it. It's dangerous, but I'm okay with it as long, just like anything else, you're not stretching yourself to buy an overpriced property with money you don't have, levering it up because you don't have cash, et cetera, and you end up you know, kind of jeopardizing your home life as well. Yeah, that'd be bad. That'd be bad. Yeah. What now, do you say about that, Daniel? It does sound like she has, uh, or they have cash. Uh, they just didn't want to tap all of their cash. So there are instances uh, when looking at a financial plan, especially when you're going into a business like this, and you know there may be some vacancy for a while while you get it up and going, uh, where preserving your liquidity through using debt could be a good thing. Because then if you had to make the mortgage payment on the new rental or something like that, you're ba- buying yourself runways. However... I think once, uh, and you kind of alluded to this, but once uh, once it's rented, once there's cash flow coming in, once it's kind of stable, if the if there's m- sort of money sitting in a bank account earning virtually nothing, and you have a HELOC that's you know you're paying interest on, it may be best to get that paid off rather quickly, and then utilize the business income and and things of that nature. Otherwise, yeah, you're kind of levering up, uh, you're taking equity out of your house at today's prices, which maybe high, maybe not, who knows. And then you're buying into a rental, hoping that rental rates stay the same and or go up. And that you just might be taking on a lot of risk. It's kind of hard to know without seeing all the moving parts. But that that's where uh, kind of I would draw the line of comfortability is kind of once it gets up and going, once it's proved its sustainability, maybe get that debt paid down uh, or explore kind of why, why you're uncomfortable using the cash that is sitting there to uh, start this new business venture. But you're you're less you feel like it's less risky or you're more apt to utilize debt that you're going to pay interest on. Yeah. So the last thing I would say and I'll say this to um to her because she'll understand this vocabulary and somebody else, you know, can look it up, but if you're coming from a commercial world where maybe cap rates right now are 6 to 8% and you're still doing that and that's attractive, do not look for residential real estate and and consider a 6 to 8% cap rate as good. It's a it's not. I would at minimum look for a 10 to 12% or above cap rate. And you might be thinking there's nothing I'm going to be able to buy that gives me a 12% cap rate on on a on, you know, income. And I would say then wait. Don't don't touch it. Don't touch. What I That's smart basically rule of sure. 1%, which mm-hmm. we've talked about before. Take, you know, and this is for anybody out there. If you want to know when it's a good deal to buy residential real estate as a as a rental, and I mean a good deal, it's real simple. If you look at a home that could be renting for $2,000 a month, your max amount you should be paying for that home is $200,000. 1% of you just do the the reverse math, $2,000 in rental income divided by 0.01 gives you 200,000. You shouldn't pay any more than that. Mm-hmm. So, and somebody's going to look at that and go, those houses are 400000 Yeah, well, yeah. they're overpriced. It's real simple. Put that in the context. The house that we're renting now, we're paying... And the house next to us uh, sold this summer, the exact same model. We're paying, I think, five, pretty much 5%, maybe a hair under 5% of the value that that same exact model sold next to us. So, so you are theoretically paying half 
of the of rent market rent of market rent. But if it was listed for that market rent, that it wouldn't. It wouldn't rent. It wouldn't rent. Yeah. It's far so, too high so in today's market. What is overvalued then is probably the price, mm-hmm. not necessarily the rent, but the price. So again, I would love, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to handle maintenance or collect sure. rents, but I would love to eventually buy a portfolio of residential real estate for rentals. I, I Certainly, I'm always on the lookout for that. As you know, we talk mm-hmm. about that, but only when I come across one that's you know, properties are renting for fifteen hundred, and the house is five. You know, one hundred fifty thousand. Great, yep. I'll I'll pick that up all day long. So, and again, you might think to yourself, Quint, that is never going to happen. I've seen it at least twice in my lifetime, at least twice, probably more, and I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so, and I'm not an old man. Yep. And that's not even my lifetime. That's been in business twice in the last twenty years. Okay. What else you got? That's it. Life good. Life's good. Excellent. What's going on with that? You're going to continue to rent, or what's the deal? How long is that extended for you now? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. We got word that uh, 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 he's open to, uh, our landlord's open to extending it after this lease expires, which he was looking to potentially sell it after this lease expires. So uh, we're not sure because we don't have paper on that yet. So if we get that papered up, then we'll extend it longer. The only time I need to be concerned if I start seeing the kids come in with their bags and... There's a basement here. Just yeah. set up some cots. You could just set them in like... We could. It's not right, a kids, shower. That's going to be difficult. Yeah, you know, splash a little water. There's a hose out back. That's right. It's All right. Good. Good. We'll continue. I look forward to following that progress. All right, friends. Remember, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so very wisely, I think, and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.